Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali, from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback. Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fan. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fan takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. Buddy. To the Huddle Up Podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me as always, my partner in crime, who you know and who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, we are now one day removed from the Kansas City Chiefs hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. We've had some time to, you know, the gut reaction aspect is is over, ruminate on it, work out our hormones, if you will. How are you <laughs> feeling about the Chiefs being world champions? One day removed. For me, real quick. The silver lining is I think it's cool to see as accomplished a coach as Andy Reid is. The one silver lining for me is yeah. to see him get a ring. Like he's deserving of that. He really is. And, and a rival coach or not, he's such a good guy. And every player, every former coach has raved about Andy Reid. So he's one of those guys that you want to see win a ring. And I'm glad for him that he did. I, my, I feel the exact same as I did yesterday, Chad. It kind of sucks that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but they were deserving. They were the better team. And if anything, we're one day closer to the 2020 season when hopefully Drew Locke and the Broncos kind of up, upend them. So it's going to be a good rivalry, but still feel the same. They, they were deserving. They were the better team. And it's kind of surreal that the Chiefs of all teams 50 years later are champions. I don't know if you caught this and our great listeners. I don't know if you guys saw this. We had an article up on it featuring this video. But literally, as soon as the Chiefs win that game yesterday, the Denver Broncos PR department mm-hmm. put out a video on social media, a hype video for the Broncos uh, for 20, the 2020 season. If you haven't checked it out, go to milehighhuddle.com. You can see it there. But uh, I loved the timing of that. Like, yes. you know, that was no coincidence. No, it was very well done. And I believe the news about Skangarillo came out during the Chiefs, one of their playoff games. So it's all the Broncos are doing expert troll jobs there. And I, I do like the timing for that. A lot to be hyped about too, Chad. It's not just fluff. They have a franchise quarterback, Vic Fangio in year two. I mean, this is the team. If anyone in the division is going to challenge the Chiefs, it's going to be the Broncos in 2020. And it was cool that I'm glad that Drew Locke traveled to Miami to be there for the Super Bowl. He was, you know, present for a lot of different pre-Super Bowl events, including hanging out, signing autographs for people coming through. There were some social media posts from TMZ, I think it was, of him and Baker Mayfield doing like dance-offs at the club and stuff. Yeah. Like it was all, you know, G-rated stuff. It was all clean, family-oriented stuff. But like, it's cool to see him rubbing shoulders. If he doesn't get that opportunity, Zach, to be the guy in those final five weeks of the season, I don't think you see Drew Locke in Miami. I don't think you see him on TMZ. Like he's still a background face for this organization. So I think that just speaks even more to how much he means to the Broncos moving forward. Because you know the Broncos PR department helped put him where he needed to be in the Super Bowl. That's a really good point, Chad. If Drew Locke never started a game last year, didn't have the winning streak, he'd be a no one. He'd be invisible no matter where he walked or where where he went. So the fact that, like you said, he's rubbing elbows with Baker Mayfield and doing these press junkets and interviews, good look for the Broncos, good look for a young quarterback who is the face of the franchise and is among that next generation of young, up-and-coming, potentially superstar quarterbacks. Good company to keep with Mahomes. Amen to that. Guys, what we want to talk about today is – 
it might be slightly uncomfortable for some fans who are a little insecure about the topic, but I don't think you should be. We want to talk about the fact that Von Miller has the seventh highest cap hit in the NFL in 2020 and just kind of analyze what that means, ramifications, the fact that his 2020 salary, his, you know, this, this 2020 season is a team option for the Broncos. In other words, they could choose not to pick up the option, uh, which would render him a free agent, which I'm not, that's not going to happen. Don't, don't get worried about it. I'm just saying there are some dominoes that could fall with respect to Von Miller because his cap hit is so high. And we want to talk about that today and just kind of analyze also Zach, what it means, the ramifications for this team from a roster building perspective and the whole nine yards. So we're going to get into that first, though, just a couple of really quick matters of business. You guys make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review. You know what we forgot to do? We forgot to grab the names from Apple Podcasts for the month of January. Guys, that's on us. I'm sorry. We got, we're juggling a few balls right before we went live. Normally, that's something we'd have in the in the hopper. We will announce that on Wednesday. Forgive us. The winners for the for the swag for the month of January, we will announce that on Wednesday for sure. But if you want to get in on it for February, make sure you go leave a creative review. Apple Podcasts, if you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. It's a great organic way to support the show. And speaking of organic, if you like what you're hearing here, if you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Twitter, you're watching on Facebook, if you like what you're seeing, share it out. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach. So let me just list. I'm not going to go through the exact numbers on each guy, but let me just list the top 10. This is according to Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap, who does great work. The top 10 NFL salary cap charges in 2020. It goes in this order. Number one, Jared Goff. Number two, Ben Roethlisberger. Number three, Kirk Cousins. Number uh, Tied at number three, Russell Wilson. Number five, Jimmy Garoppolo. Tied at number five, Khalil Mack. Number seven, Vaughn Miller with a $25.6 million cap hit. Number eight, Aaron Donald. Number nine, Matt Ryan. And then Joe Flacco at number 10 with a $23.7 million cap hit. So technically, the Broncos have two of the biggest cap hits in the top 10 this year. Of course, Joe Flacco, that he's not going to be on that list much longer. The Broncos are going to end up moving on from him if they can't trade him. But Vaughn Miller making 25.6 in terms of the cap hit. Now, his actual salary – what he's going to earn and take home in 2020, Zach, is significantly less than that. It's about 17 and a half million bucks is going to be his salary. Um, so when you start talking about actual cap charges, you're factoring in the signing bonuses that he received when he first signed this new extension way back in 2016, which gets paid over time or charged to the cap over time, you know, without bogging down the conversation. That's why, even though his salary is only 17 and a half million this year only, but you get what I'm saying? The cap charges is, is uh, 26, 25.6. But 
Do you think that con- coming off a season like this in which he, you know, he still got a lot of pressures, he still affected the game, he still, you know, pressured the quarterback, he failed to kind of stack up the the numbers where it really counts, finish with eight sacks in 15 games, Zach. Is that a, a, a contract commensurate with his impact? Not the cap hit, Chad. He's not a quarterback. He doesn't pass the ball. He's not of that much importance compared to a quarterback. And you look on that list. We talked about this right before we went live, Chad. You look on that list. What's the one thing most of these players have in common? They're all quarterbacks. They're all deserving, except for Jared Goff, maybe $36 million. Way too much for him. But for Vaughn, eight sacks, even if he had 18 sacks, I'd still say 25.6 is much too much to play to pay a non-quarterback in today's NFL. They're going to have to pay Drew Locke in a few years. They're going to have to pay Phillip Lindsay soon. Having a Vaughn making franchise quarterback money and not performing even like a franchise edge rusher is a problem. I like the guy. I'm not advocating for his release. It's not going to happen or a trade, but that's much too high of a cap number for a non-quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah, it's getting up there. And... You know, the problem that the Broncos have here, and by the way, John Elway it, it during the end-of-season presser was asked point-blank whether or not the, the team plans on picking up Vaughn's option this year, and he said yes. Doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen, but it's probably going to happen. But the problem with that, the Broncos are having to ask themselves these questions right now because they're going into an offseason in which they're, they're going to have about $62 million in cap space out of the gates. Now, once they do away with Joe Flacco and – don't pick up the option for Ron Leary, that frees up another 18. So roughly 80 million uh, in cap space that they're going to have to play with. Now, the flip side to that coin, Zach, is just set Vaughn aside for a second. The Broncos have a combined 18 players that are going to either be unrestricted or restricted free agents. So you think, well, 80, 80 million is a lot of cap space to go out and sign outside free agents. That's true. But when you factor in that they got to sign, resign a lot of these other guys, man, that that cap space is going to dwindle faster than you think. And so then you kind of swing back over to Vaughn's contract and you go, Hey man, like let's face it. If you were even, yeah, you're coming off a pro bowl season, but we all know that that was based on reputation alone. I mean, that wasn't a pro bowl season. Eight sacks is not commensurate with the kind of money you're commanding this year. Are you open to re, re, you know, renegotiating, restructuring, and just at least see if he's willing to do it. If he is, Great, you come to the table, you figure out a way to keep him happy and free up some space for the team. If he's not, maybe you just say, you know what, we're going to have $80 this year. we got Drew Locke on a cost-controlled contract. We'll roll the dice one more year with Vaughn's contract. Or maybe you stick your foot in the ground and and try to be a little bit more forceful, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys had to do toward the end of DeMarcus Ware's tenure, you know, circa 2014. Yeah, I could see that being an option. Uh, the The Broncos are fortunate in the sense they have enough cap room where they can absorb uh, Vaughn's cap number. They can absorb having Flacco on the salary for now until they get rid of him. Uh, they can just, like you said, Chad, if they don't want to renegotiate, if they don't want to move on and he won't is not open to renegotiating, they can say, okay, Locke's on his rookie deal. We still have another year with him making pennies, relatively speaking. We can do that. But eventually it's going to come to a point where they're going to have to choose between their own franchise quarterback and paying Vaughn like a franchise quarterback. And I'm taking the true quarterback if I had to come between the two. He's going on 31, Vaughn. He's going to need a new deal soon, eventually, Chad. He's going to want another long-term deal. So at least, in my opinion, the least he can do is come down a little bit, kick some money back to the Broncos, take a lower salary cap hit until they do their second deal. I just don't have any faith considering the negotiations last time, how contentious they really were. Elway and Vaughn were not on good terms. I don't think uh, going forward, unless there is a compromise on one side or the other, it's not going to be smooth either. You bring up a good point that, you know, almost with the exception of Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, every other guy on that top 10 list is a quarterback. And quarterbacks are often, especially later on in the career, like Vaughn is at this stage, he's going into his 10th season in 2020. Quarterbacks at that stage are often asked to restructure and do things with their contracts to free up money to sign other players. And they're willing to do it because they want to win. They want to make money and they want to be, you know, paid commensurate with who they are and their, their value to the team. But they also want to free up money. John Elway did it as a quarterback late in his career in the 90s. You've seen Peyton Manning be willing to do it in 2015. The Broncos won a Super Bowl. He took a $4 million haircut up front with the possibility of, of bonuses. If they won the Super Bowl, he could get it all back. And you know, surprise, surprise, he pulled it off and got it all back. Tom Brady's done it. A lot of quarterbacks do that. So if you think, well, no, no, no player should be asked to take less to help build the roster. Well, qu- quarterbacks are asked that quite often and regularly in the NFL, 
and Vaughn is making quarterback money. So I can understand, especially like you said, though, they got kind of acrimonious there toward the end between Vaughn and, and Elway. It might There might be too much water under that bridge, but there might not be. I mean, Vaughn Miller, listen, he's got three consecutive years now of being on a sub-500 team. Hey, man, if I can, I've already made a ton of money as a number two overall pick on a rookie contract for five years, plus this money I've made since 2016 on this new deal. I've made more money than I'm ever going to need. Right. I've been to the top of the mountain. I've got a world championship. I'm a Super Bowl MVP, perennial all-pro, perennial pro bowler. I'm going to the Hall of Fame. Like, what more do I need? I want to keep winning. For these guys, it usually becomes about the W. And so it would be interesting to see whether or not, Zach, Von Miller might at least be amenable to the idea of restructure. It doesn't necessarily mean he has to take a huge step back, but some way to alleviate things if the Broncos end up needing that money. And they might not because $80 million is a lot, even considering the 18 free agents they got to figure out here. Even if he's not open to it, though, this is the perfect opportunity for the Broncos to ask him for a pay cut because his leverage chat is at an all-time low. He's coming off a horrible season, eight sacks. He says he wants to be around for uh, the second coming of the team, a rebirth of the team. I don't want to say rebuild, but he wants to be a part of the Drew Lock era. And if he wants to be a part of that, help the team out by getting more weapons around Drew Lock, by giving them more money to get a receiver or get an offensive lineman. Vaughn is making too much money right now. He wants a new deal soon. It would show some good faith with the front office. He needs to give some money back for not performing up to what the Broncos paid him to do. Eight sacks to me does not cut it. $25 million salary cap head for eight sacks is atrocious. If he wants to help the Broncos be this team he thinks and he talks about them being, give some money back, uh, let them get another weapon around Drew Locke. But until that happens, it's going to be uh, status quo, I believe. And again, guys, don't mistake what we're saying for us advocating anything. You know, We're not saying the Broncos needed to move on from Von Miller no, or trade Von Miller. Not at all. It's a little bit out of whack, that salary, that, that, that cap hit, Compared to what he made, what he produced in 2019, it's not quite apples to apples. And Brian jumps in with a donation on Super Chat. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you, Brian. He says, "Do you guys think it's too soon to ask Vaughn to take a pay cut? I don't think it's too soon to at least ask him to to do some restructuring and get creative. Because again, he's going to be 31 by the time the 2020 NFL season rolls around. He's already made, you know, what was it, a six-year extension? That yeah, six years, 114 and a half million extension that he signed in uh, following Super Bowl 50. You know that later that summer, and he's made a vast majority of that money already. So I don't think it's too soon. He's now on the wrong side of 30, and he didn't have a great season under a coach who usually the edge guys have prolific seasons. Right. So you know you, you, we can sit and you know, make excuses. We can say, well, it was a new coaching staff or, well, he lost Bradley Chubb, you know, four games into the year or, you know, that was a new scheme or, you know, he's just worn down from all the losing or, or he put on weight. That's another right. one. Weight issue. The knee toward the end of the season we know was bothering him. Like you can sit and, and, and rationalize why he didn't have a, a, a great season under Fangio. And, you know, the Broncos have probably done a lot of that themselves and just, they might be viewing this Zach as an outlier type of year, but, when you really look at what he's going to cost this team in 2020, and then you look at what he produced in 2019, you have to start wondering at which point this team is has reached the diminishing returns right. point, basically. I mean, he's making franchise quarterback type money, but he only had eight sacks. It's like if a franchise quarterback threw 10 or 12 uh, touchdowns in a single season, that's not going to cut it. That's not good enough. The Broncos needed more out of him. Yeah, the knee issue affected him. Yeah, the loss to Chubb affected him. All those things affected him, but he's still Von Miller. He was being paid to be Von Miller, an elite edge rusher who can win no matter the opponent, no matter the scheme, no matter the circumstance. The Broncos did not get that Von Miller last year. I don't know if he'll be open to it. I don't know if the Broncos are going to ask, but this is the perfect opportunity to ask. He has no leverage, and the Broncos can use his own comments against him, Chad. He says he wants to be a Bronco for life. He wants to be a part of the Drew Locke era. Show some good faith. You want a new contract soon? Give some money now to get more money later. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan wants to know, he says, what's up, Chad and Zach? Is everybody feeling better at Casa Chad? Yes, there was, uh, a, a, you know, 
a break from the, all the sickness today. My kids took a step forward. So yeah, everything's, everything's moving in the right direction there. Appreciate you. Frankie wants to know how much of a dead hit the Broncos will have letting Joe Flacco go. It's going to be a little bit north of $13 million in dead mm-hmm. money. But again, guys, that's not, it's, it's money that they paid him last year, basically that he earned that they chose to, you know, pay it in the form of a signing bonus. So it's money he got last year that they now have to account for this year on the cap. So it's not like he's getting additional money from the Broncos. It still counts toward the body of work he gave them in 2019. They just, you know, pulled some salary cap, you know, uh, magic, if you will, to float it down the road. So, but they'll free up 10 million, Zach, when they finally do rip that bandaid off and uh, part with Joe Flacco. It's just crazy that no matter any aspect of that trade, it all is such a bad idea, Chad. Every aspect, financial, on the field, I mean, it was just such a horrible move in, in looking back on it. And even during the time I mean, you know, they made the trade, some of us were against it. But, you know, the Joe Flacco deal, the Broncos cannot move on from that for even just for, you know, Juju fast mm-hmm. enough, let alone the salary cap. Machiavelli, the GOAT, with a big super chat. Thank you, Machiavelli. Thank you. We appreciate you. Tip of the cap to KC, he says, but get ready for the greatest Bronco free agency and draft ever. <laughs> Elway and the Broncos are going all in on lock. It's on. And congratulations to Atwater, my favorite player yes. of all time. Amen to that on Atwater. We we talked about that yesterday, just how cool it was to see him finally get over the hump and into the hall where he he does belong. But yeah, I mean, this is it's gonna be interesting, Zach, to see the intensity with which Elway and company attack this offseason, having seen for the first time since before he even was in the league as a player, an AFC West team not named the Denver Broncos win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and I want to see for the first time Elway operate knowing, you know, or at least pretty sure he has that franchise quarterback. He's been operating like he hasn't had that guy because he hasn't the last three or four years. He doesn't have a veteran band-aid he has to go out and, and acquire. He already has the guy in the building. I want to see if he operates with more confidence in that. But like the, the question pointed out, the Broncos can knock it out of the park again. They can get a, a great free agent period. They have a great draft. They can be in the mix for the AFC West next season. Not saying they're going to win. Not saying they're going to usurp the Chiefs. But they can be in the playoff picture. And I expect them to be with another solid Elway offseason. I also want to see how they operate having a new cap guy, Chad, in Rich Rotato. You know, compared to Mike Sullivan from years past. Agreed. And real quick, Buona Beast had a message, a, a question from yesterday that we did not get. Very persistent. He wanted us to get it today. I remember one of those players, Buana, but it's not letting me go up the comment stream to find your original question. I know one of them was the center, Ben Jones, and I'm trying to remember the Detroit Lions guy's name. Uh, it's escaping me. So re- resubmit your question here in the comment stream, and we'll we'll tackle it here. Um, let's see what Hunter has to say. Jumps in on Super Chat. Thank you so Thank much, you, Hunter. Appreciate you. A lot of mocks coming out. Don't have Denver taking an off-ball linebacker until late. Is this because of potential free agent moves or something else? No, I think it's honestly, Hunter, due to, you know, the Broncos, with the exception of that one year, they tried to move up and get uh, C.J. Mosley and the year that there was reported interest in Reuben Foster. Outside of those two years, the Broncos, the, the highest they ever drafted a linebacker, I think it was Nate Irving in 2011 under Elway as a front office guy, and it was the third round. And so the Broncos usually wait until later in the draft to grab off-ball linebackers. And that's not the only explanation, but also the fact that you had Alexander Johnson emerge last year. Todd Davis is in the contract year. So, you know, it's you're going to want to have something there behind him for his, you know, eventually 2021, but it's not a dire need. Then you still got Josie Jewell. So you've got three more than serviceable linebackers off-ball at this stage. So it's not like a dire situation, but – it wouldn't surprise me to see them do something maybe a little bit earlier than, than you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth round, but it just depends on value and who's on the board. And honestly, Zach, I haven't paid as much attention yet to the off-ball linebacker class. I know that uh, Eric's doing some work on it now, and we'll be getting a lot more information on that. But that that I don't see them necessarily even targeting someone. There's no one that jumps out to me as a free agent either, Zach. Plus, you know, what's made clear last year was Fangio doesn't believe in investing high round picks or high round or, you know, high priced free agents at inside linebacker. He can make do with the guys he has. If it all depends to me on Todd Davis' status, Chad. if they move on from him, they'll obviously need a starting starting linebacker. I don't think Josie Jewell is that guy. 
even if they do, though, I don't see it being a first, second, third round kind of investment. It will be a fourth, fifth rounder guy that they like. They targeted from the beginning, and I think Fangio can feel like he can work into the defense. But as long as they have A.J. Johnson there as the starter, that athletic three-down linebacker, it doesn't really matter so much who they pair next to him, but it all comes down to Todd Davis' status. Not a dire need, but at the minimum, a need for insurance. What was that injury Danny Trevathan suffered this last season in Chicago that ended his campaign? He only appeared in nine games. It seems like it was an elbow. I don't think it was that. Something like that. I think it was something like that. But he is, according to Spot Track, the number one free agent linebacker heading into 2020. And obviously, there's multiple connections for Trevathan to come back to Denver. Not only was it the team who drafted him, he won a Super Bowl in Denver, but Fangio, who coached him for four years, three years, four years, I guess, uh, make that three years in Chicago. So it'll be interesting, depending on his health, to see how much of a sniff the Broncos give him. There's also Kyle Van Noy, who's still relatively young. He's only 29, uh, formerly, of course, of the New England Patriots. Corey Littleton is a guy from uh, the L.A. Rams. Like him. Darren Lee is a guy that a lot of Broncos fans wanted uh, Denver to trade for last year from the Jets. He ended up, of course, going to KC. Uh, Let's see here. I'm trying to see if anyone else jumps out. Reggie Ragland, the Chiefs off-ball linebacker guy, he's more of a two-down thumper, though. You already have that in Todd Davis. Plus, he's from Alabama, so cross him off the list now. Right. You know, there's there's a few guys on there that are interesting, but I think if the Broncos do anything there, outside of Danny Trevathan, it's probably going to be the draft, Zach. So we'll see how that shakes out. Let's uh, jump down here. Whoop, the comment stream just did one of those fast accelerations on me. Bear with me, guys. Uh, let's see what we got here. Stu McPeak jumping in. Super chat, you, our Stu. superstar. Always. Thank we you. Love you, Stu. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, let's see on a question. I mean, that means a ton, Stu. You're so consistent in how you support the show. I mean, it means the world to Zach and I. All right, so I got that one. I got Stu. All right, let's see what these guys have to say here. KN Prodigy 98 on YouTube. How much do you guys think Justin Simmons is worth? Zach, I think he's going to be, honestly, he's going to be worth close to what um, Eddie Jackson got. But it's going to be around 12 million is is what I'm thinking. He's going to want that because on on the franchise tag, I think it's 12 million for safeties. And so he's going to probably want somewhere between 11 and 12 million annual and a significant money up front in a signing bonus in the first two years guaranteed. I'm looking at the the 2020 cap hits for safeties right now. Tyron Matthews at 16.3. Uh, that's I don't think he's going to check in that high. I think he's a better player though. At this age of his career, he has more upside. But yeah, he's in a clear. I think easy 12 million. I think that should be his floor, Chad. He's dynamic. He can play strong or free safety. He can play nickel corner in certain defensive sets. The guy can do it all. He's an impactful player. Not even entering his prime just yet. I think 12 is the minimum. If they want to keep him the Broncos, which I think they will, they're going to have to shell out some money, and it's well, well deserved. He is priority number one this offseason. Terry Randall up in Canada jumps in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Terry. you, Terry. $5 donation. Again, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being, and Terry right. proves that each and every podcast. Mile High Truth wants to know where my swag is. Um, you know, honestly, I just forgot to put it on. Here we go. Repping the brand, right? For the brand. Hashtag for the brand. All right, Cloud9TK jumps in on Super Chat. Says, I'm not sold on Justin Simmons. I would let him test the water because he's not Ed Reed, Earl Thomas, Eric Berry. He's just average. Now, that might be controversial as a take to some Broncos fans. But, Zach, let me tell you something. The the farther into the offseason we've gone, the more I've started to question because of how safety-friendly Fangio's scheme is, how viable it is for this team to pay him top dollar when, you know, let's say you bring in a free agent or you draft a rookie or you promote someone else on the depth chart, Trey Marshall, how big of a drop-off do you think it would really be under Fangio's coaching to go from Justin Simmons to Trey Marshall? Now, there would there would be a difference. There's significant gap in talent there, but from an execution and a being, being put in the right place at the right time, coaching, teaching, that whole thing, I'm not sure. And so – the Broncos are in a tough situation because he is a great young player, but he's playing in a safety-friendly scheme. Now, look, Wade Phillips' defense back in 2015 was friendly to outside linebackers, to edge rushers, right? That doesn't mean you get rid of Von Miller. So 
but nevertheless, it's this is just I'm thinking out loud on this. But the farther we get in, the little bit more I've started to question. I mean, at what point do you reach diminishing returns on going at too far out over your skis to grab a guy like Justin Simmons when really you have more of a need at cornerback than you do at safety? Well, my thing with that is I'll counter by saying Chris Harris Jr. got worse in Vic Fangio's scheme, and Vic Fangio had a good defensive back scheme to begin with. A lot of good, great cornerbacks in Chicago. So I think it's it's more the player to me. I wouldn't pay Justin Simmons $17 million a year, but I think he's worth twelve. And for as long as Fangio is the coach, they'll, they need that guy, that center fielder, that, that linchpin in the secondary. That's just the market value right now. So I think they, they, he's young, upside still remaining. He can fit everywhere on this defense, and I think he's worth the money. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Big thanks to Cloud9, TK, and KM Prodigy supporting the show on Super Chat. Yes, that means you guys. a ton to us, you guys. Uh, let's see what else we've got here from Dylan, longtime listener of the show, jumps in on Super Chat. Thanks, bro. Thank you, Dylan. Heard rumors of Amari Cooper leaving Dallas this offseason. If we could sign him and draft Henry Ruggs, if he's there, that would be the dream. Hey, man, I'm not going to shed any tears over that because I think it would help the Broncos compete in 2020 as far as, you know, pushing for the AFC West. But I'm still of the opinion in, in especially the farther we get into the off season that wide receiver, you can afford to wait till day two, second, third round to, and still get a guy that's probably going to be as good as rugs close to as good yeah. as rugs in this draft. Amari Cooper though. Hey, if I'm the Broncos and I know I'm going to have somewhere around 80 million, once I get rid of Flacco and I get rid of uh, Ronald Leary, Amari Cooper's a guy that I think should take high priority for this team, Zach. Yeah, I mean, he obviously is a free agent along with Dak Prescott in Dallas. They're going to have to make a decision there. I still think Amari uh, Cooper will get resigned or franchise tagged or trans- transition tagged at the minimum. They're not going to give up Dallas a first-round pick for the guy and then let him walk a season and a half later. He would be a great fit with the Broncos, but he's going to get paid as well so the Broncos can go a cheaper route in the draft, have a younger guy under contract, and I think a guy that would fit the Broncos system more. They need a speed demon first. Amari Cooper, great route runner, great technician. He has some injury problems, a little inconsistent consistent hands. He's not the fastest guy. A great receiver in any scheme, but not necessarily number one in the Broncos. So I would pass on Cooper and look to the draft to fill that need. All right. Here's the question from Buona Beast. What do you guys think of signing um, Graham Glasgow and Brett Jones in the offseason? Thoughts? That, you know, you're basically two interior O-line guys. Now this is assuming Ron Leary's bailing or getting cut and Connor McGovern isn't re-signed. Brett Jones is a center who could step in and play. I think he would do well with with Mike Munchak. Glasgow's underrated, really versatile. Now, I don't pretend to be the authority on interior O-line, but he's a very underrated player, former third-round pick of the Detroit Lions. And I could see – I could. it would depend on cost, but I wouldn't be opposed to either one of those guys, Zach. Bring in all the free agent linemen. Bring them all in. If they don't work out, you can get rid of them. It's it's low money deal. It's the low risk deal. They need, if not starters, Chad, they need backups at the minimum. I don't want any Austin Slobans coming in starting for Denver this year. I want proven guys who have experience in the NFL where if something, God forbid, happens to a Ryzen or to whoever's starting at guard, they can step in at a moment's notice. So bring in all the free agents, if nothing else, for insurance. Ron W. jumps in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. He wants to know what lessons do you think the Broncos can learn from Super Bowl 54 in order to make their own run? And that's an interesting question and a timely one, Ron, for multiple reasons. One of which is that we at milehighhuddle.com published an article on this very topic today. Now, it was from Eric Trickle, and I don't want to steal any potential thunder he might have for you guys on the uh, Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast later this week. But I'll just run through. Here's here's what Eric, what jumped out to him as far as lessons from the Broncos could learn, Zach. And I want to get your take on this too. First being that creative play calling, how powerful it is to have creative play calling that utilizes the strengths of the personnel and how on both sides of the ball or on both sides of the field, both the Niners and the Chiefs exemplified that with their creativity offensively, especially um, in the way these plays were designed to maximize not only what the players were we're capable of doing in their skill sets, but to try and attack the weaknesses of the opponent. The second one, he says, speed is nice, but it isn't everything. And basically what he's saying is, you know, Tyreek Hill is fast. Yes, but it's not the only thing he brings to the table. And that there are plenty of guys like, you know, John Ross, for example, who can run really fast in a straight line that just don't have the other aspects, the nuances of being an NFL wide receiver and they end up falling by the wayside, and how both sides of that Super Bowl, the Niners and the Chiefs, 
had a lot of speed offensively at the skill position, Zach, but these were also guys who could wear multiple hats and do different things. So speed, is it comes at a premium, but there's more to it than just finding that speed demon, which is why you don't want to get too hung up on, you know, Henry Ruggs running a, is he going to run a 4-2? Is he going to run a 4-3 at the combine? The third being uh, takeaway here to apply for the Broncos, a complimentary skill sets at wide receiver is a must. So in other words, you know, Cortland Sutton, people go, well, you, you already have like a competent number two in, in Tim Patrick, you know, go get a, a really fast slot guy. Well, yeah, Tim Patrick in a perfect world, Zach, he should be the backup to Cortland Sutton because he's basically Cortland Sutton light from a right. size perspective, from a skill set perspective. He's a lesser talented Cortland Sutton. What you want is you want to find someone like what they had initially to start the season who's different than Cortland, just as good in their own right, but bring something different to the table like Emmanuel Sanders did initially early on in the season. Uh, the fourth thing here, trust your quarterback to be a playmaker. Eric's talking about how both the Chiefs and the Niners trusted their quarterback, but especially the Chiefs, when the chips were down to just go be themselves and make the throws. Now, of course, Patrick Mahomes proved equal to his opportunity and equal to that trust that Andy Reid gave him to just get out there in the backyard and make something happen, whereas – Jimmy Garoppolo missed a throw that probably could have clinched the game. Coaches trusted him to make that throw, and he was off by you know that that deep one to Emmanuel Sanders you talked about yesterday, Zach. And then the fifth thing is the value of interior disruptors. And what more needs to be said here? You you saw Eric Armstead and Chris Jones yesterday on each side just wrecking the opposing quarterback and throwing them off their base and just making things hard. So those are five that jumped out to Eric, and it was a really good article, you guys. I suggest you go check it out. But what what's your take on that, Zach? I agree with all those. The only two that come to mind, the two most important takeaways from that game is coaching matters. It really is a difference in the game. Kyle Shanahan really withered when when crunch time happened in the fourth quarter and Andy Reid, an experienced veteran coach who's been there on that stage, got the better of him. Also, number one, by far and away, is having that franchise quarterback, Chad. We talked about it yesterday, but as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, as long as you have that guy on the field, he can play. You are never, ever, ever, ever out of a game. It's so important to have that franchise guy, and it's so important that the Broncos not only identified that guy, but gave Drew Locke the range this offseason to be that guy. If they have him, it will be in any game this year, especially with Vic Fangio's defense. So the Broncos should have came out of the Super Bowl looking at Patrick Mahomes and saying themselves, thank God we have our guy. Let's go win some ball games now. That's right. And just don't look back. Don't second guess it. Build that nest and get after it. Here's from KM Prodigy 98 jumps back in on Super Chat. Thank you. Which position is most needed in this draft? Well, I think, honestly, we have to answer the question, what's more important, winning in the short term or winning in the long term? Because here's what I mean by that. You could say, well, tackle is a priority. But honestly, if you go draft a tack- an offensive tackle in the first round, okay, and Garrett Bowles is going to be the starter at left tackle, barring some kind of unforeseen circumstance. And if Jawan James is healthy, he's going to start at right tackle. Now you got two starters already locked in and you just use your first round pick on a player that's going to sit. How much of an impact is that player really making in 2020? Right? So you have to kind of figure out what your, what your priority is. Are you trying to win in 2020? Are you trying to move that needle now? Or are you trying to build the nest for the long term? And that's one of the challenges that every front office has to, has to balance, right? Figuring out how to, you know, have one hand in each one of those pots, so to speak. But for me, the biggest issues are the holes. The Broncos can get by with Garrett Bowles and Jawan James. It's a need, but it's not a you know a DEFCON whatever need for this team. For me, it comes down to defensive line because of all the dudes that are walking out in free agency this year possibly, and then also cornerback. Those, are to me, are the two biggest needs this team needs to really restock from a dire you know perspective, from an urgency perspective, Zach. And then, of course, you got to go get that dynamic compliment to Cortland Sutton. But I think you could get by without that just with the coaching and the and the – players taking steps in year two, like Noah Fant, Sutton in year three, et cetera. Nothing you said, Chad, there was untrue. And I will agree that the secondary as a whole, because you need cornerbacks and you might need a safety potentially if they don't re-sign Justin Simmons or bring him back, which they will. But I just think of it, this is where I differ. 
Drew Locke is priority number one this offseason. So anything around him or for him should be the top priority. I, I agree with receiver. It, it, they can, you know, they can wait on that. They can get a guy in the second round, but Drew Locke needs weapons. He also needs protection. He might need a new tackle, a new guard, a new center, or whatever, and they need backups to them as well. So anything to help out Drew Locke this offseason is a number one priority going into the draft, whether that's offensive line or receiver. It all helps your franchise guy. And I don't disagree, but what that means is you're prioritizing winning now. You're prioritizing prioritizing the cost-controlled quarterback window. Like let's let's get as many weapons in that arsenal for Drew Lock as possible so that we can hit the ground running and capitalize now. And I'm not saying that's the wrong philosophy to have entering 2020. And if that's the case, yeah, man, go out there and get your wide receiver in for in the first round if if the right one's there at pick 15 and just keep st- you know stacking wood on that fire for luck. Now let's see what Mr. Ronch says here. Jumps in on Super Chat. Thank, Thank you. you. The Broncos seemed undersized last season. Hopefully we stop losing games in the trenches next season. Undersized, I mean, defensively, I think they were undersized until they decided to move Shelby Harris out from nose tackle and put him at, at you know yes. defensive end. I'm not sure they were so undersized on the offensive line, to be honest with you, Zach. I mean – they had huge guys there. I mean, and I'm not. I'm not sure now. The backups on the defensive line when you started getting to Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker, those guys are a little bit lighter than their the guys ahead of them and Derek Wolf, Adam Gotsis, Shelby Harris. But I'm not. I'm not sure. I agree with you 100, Mr. Ronch. Nevertheless, though, we do appreciate your your support on the yes. pod here. I mean, Garrett Bowles is a physically imposing guy. He's a huge guy. Ronald Leary, huge guy. Jawan James, huge guy. huge guy. They were under-talented, Chad, in the trenches, not undersized. That's their problem last year. I, they had a lot of size and beef in those trenches, and like you said, especially on defense with uh, with uh, Shelby Harris moving out. We got time for a couple more here, guys. This is from Brian Greenfield. Jumps in Thank on you, Super Brian. Chat. Appreciate you, Brian. $5 donation. If Vaughn does restructure, do you think that's more – instinctive for Elway to move up in the draft for the number one defensive back incentive incentive. That's probably what he meant to say. Yeah. Is that more incentive? So Vaughn does restructure. Is that more incentive for Elway to move up in the draft for the number one DB? I'm not sure how those two things connect exactly Zach or for missing the point here, but if he does restructure freeze up more cap money, I think that's money that would get spent in free agency. Yeah, and if they restructure, it means they want more money to do and win now. So they want to make a win now move by moving up for the top-rated you know, defensive back on the board. I, I think it will do it either way, though, Chad. Like you said, it's not exclusive, the salary cap and, and the, what the Broncos will do in the draft. They have the capital, first and foremost. They can move up if they wanted to. That's why I believe if there's a year he's going to move up, Elway, it's this year. Brent makes a good point here. And this, this is why these conversations for us are so fun, dude, because yeah. – you know, I get thinking down a track, and sometimes you need to have that opposing point of view to bring you back to reality. Brent says, you can't marginalize the intangibles that Simmons brings to the team. The man is a leader and has the mindset of a great teammate, and that's absolutely true. And that, you know, that's different. That Not only you take away the talent, the tangible talent aspect, like I was saying in that example, how big of a gap would there be between starting Justin Simmons across from Kareem Jackson as opposed to Trey Marshall? There's going to be a talent gap there but an intangible gap even more so because that's the one thing especially that Simmons has in spades. Yeah, I mean, intangibles don't show up on the stat sheet, Chad, but they help out a locker room. They can lead to winning more ball games. And uh, Simmons is the guy where he's such a good guy and he's of such high character. He might take a little less to stay in Denver. He's not going to break the Broncos' cashews in negotiations. He's going to do what he can to get his paycheck and his financial security and also kind of helping the team position themselves to add more free agents and get better and win in 2020. And by the way, I'm not, like I said, uh, I'm not advocating what I said about Justin Simmons. I'm not advocating the Broncos just let him go. I'm just saying it makes me wonder how much is too much for Justin Simmons in terms of throwing money at him when there are so many other needs and knowing it's a, it's a safety-friendly system that Fangio brings to the table. By the way, Andrew jumps in. He says, if Denver moves on from Flacco, Leary, and Jeff Hireman, isn't Denver almost at $90 million in cap space? Almost. They'd be at around $84 million, if I'm not mistaken. Hireman would, I think, free up another $4 million or so on the 2020 cap. Yeah, if they have $90 million, they can do whatever they want. They can lock down every free agent they have, priority free agent, and also go get a couple Chris Jones or you know elite-level A-plus tier free agents. They have a lot of money to spend, and it's a good year to spend it in. A lot of holes and a lot of needs this offseason. Dylan says, Phil needs in free agency and go into the draft looking for blue-chip players. That's the core philosophy that most – 
NFL front offices and scouting departments try to live by. And when you say blue chip, what you're looking for are blue chip players at positions that you need. Because, you know, if you if you have a chance to grab a blue chip quarterback, you're not doing that because you have Drew Locke. If you have a chance to get a blue chip possession receiver, as opposed to another position, you, you, you might not do that because you already have one of the greatest possession receivers in the NFL currently in Cortland Sutton. So, but yeah, that's what free agency is there for, to fill the immediate holes to so that teams get into the draft and they can be a little bit more disciplined to their board and not be as susceptible to reaching. Yeah, and to that point, I think the Broncos will go very defensive heavy in free agency, you know, getting an inside linebacker, getting someone in the secondary, maybe getting a defensive lineman to pair with whoever they keep there and using offense with tackles and receivers and maybe a running back in the draft. That's where I think they'll go uh, this offseason. Charlie on Facebook, do you think Calais Campbell will get some attention from the Broncos if he becomes a cap casualty in Jacksonville? Absolutely. He was almost a Bronco, what was that, 2017, Zach, yeah. when VJ first got hired? So close. He was close, and the, the Jaguars offered a few – Wasn't it was a marginal amount more, and he ended up taking that money. So, yeah, the Broncos would love to have him. If he ends up as a, free, a street free agent, you can count on the Broncos seeing what it would take to uh, get him back home in the Mile High City. All right, let's grab one or two more here, guys, and then we got to take off. Lance jumps in on Super Chat. Thanks, Thank Lance. You, Lance. Can we at least address the offensive line in free agency? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's – I think that's something that you're going to see the, the Denver Broncos do. First, they have to figure out what they're going to do with their own homegrown guys. Connor McGovern, are they going to keep Ron Lear? Are they going to cut him or not You know, pick up their his, his 2020 team option? But once you have that out of the way, like let's just assume Connor McGovern's gone and you part ways with Ronald Leary, Buona Beast brought up two guys that would make a lot of sense for the Denver Broncos in Ben Jones and uh, Glasgow. So that's a position. Now tackle, we've looked at the free agent tackle class before. There's a couple names that you could maybe live with, but it's not a strong free agent offensive tackle class. So we'll, uh, you know, you kind of just have to hope that Jawan James can get back to being healthy. And it's an even year. And his, for whatever reason, man, he's he's unhealthy in the odd years and he's healthy in the even years. That. Yeah, I'm sure they'll bring in a couple of free agents uh, for depth along the offensive line. The only thing to play devil's advocate is they had such a bad track record of looking to the open market for linemen. I mean, look at Donald Stevenson, Jared Valdir, Menelik Watson, Juwan James last year. But conversely, they've done very well through the draft. You know, Connor McGovern, Dalton Reisner, they've drafted very well. Matt Paradis, you know, even going back then. So um, I think they would be more instinctive to get a starting caliber lineman through the draft than look to the open market for one. But they're going to need some depth pieces and insurance piece that'll come in free agency ron jumps back in on super chat thank you ron thank you he says i understand that philip Lindsay is the centerpiece who can step in to compliment him i liked what i saw out of kalfani muhammad in the preseason we liked him too he brings a lot as a as a pass catcher but he doesn't quite have what it takes to be an impact player like Lindsay. even as both of them are diminutive more diminutive size-wise running backs he doesn't quite have the wherewithal that, that Lindsey does to run between the tackles. But we like Muhammad. I think that's a position, though, you're going to see the Broncos use a draft pick on, like yeah. third, fourth-round pick on a running back that they believe can bring some route running and, and pass-catching prowess to the table. At least one draft pick, Chad. I mean, you might look be looking at you know replacing Royce Freeman, definitely replacing Devontae Booker, definitely repla- replacing Theo Riddick. You have Muhammad, but you mentioned the comparisons there to Philip Lindsay. So at least one draft pick. It might be fairly high. It might be a second or third rounder. Last one, guys, and we got to get out of here from Sleek Tro on YouTube. He says, love the content you guys produce. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate you. Who do you think will be the Broncos' backup quarterback in 2020? You know, I think that um, – I don't know, man. I go back and forth on this because on one hand, I, it's like, you know, you saw what Brandon Allen could do in terms of being a spark short term. If your starter goes down, he can come in and kind of keep things afloat. But when you ask him to go out and be the impetus for a victory on the road in the winds in Buffalo, he just doesn't have the traits to get that job done. You can live with him as your backup if, if it's a short term window, you're missing your starter. But if you need a guy to come in and start multiple games, you know, like, for example, let's just pretend – Drew Locke wasn't on the roster last year, and Joe Flacco goes down after week eight. I mean, I shudder to think how that season would have unfolded if Brandon Allen was the only thing standing between you and oblivion, you know, as a team. That's why then I think, well, okay, you go find one in free agency. Because I don't I don't think Brett Rippon's a great scheme fit for, even though it's West Coast and it's Shermer, 
it's more vertical. You're you're going to prioritize more arm talent in this scheme under Shermer, and I'm not sure he's a great fit for that. So then you go out and you you look at the free agent pool, Zach. But the problem there is you got to balance anyone you would bring in with uh, not wanting to create a quarterback controversy question. You don't want to do anything that is going to be perceived in any way as a threat or a challenge to Drew Locke's standing. Right. Not that Locke couldn't handle it. Not that Locke couldn't vanquish him. But you just don't want to go back on these old you know, quarterback competitions or controversies. You want this to be absolutely unquestionably Drew Locke's team. Agree with you. The only thing I'll say is that among the NFL teams, who in the NFL has a backup quarterback who can step in and beat Buffalo with those wins in Buffalo with those, you know, in those elements? It's a handful. Maybe if that two or three guys have those elite level traits as a backup quarterback. So if Drew Locke goes down, there's the Broncos season's in jeopardy to begin with, but I'd rather have a guy in Brandon Allen. He doesn't have to learn a new system necessarily. He, he knows the team. He knows the general scheme. He knows working with these players. So you already have a guy who's been in the building who has veteran experience, starting experience, and he won a game in a pinch spot. So I had to lay my prediction out right now. I think it's Brandon Allen, but they will, I guess, draft a guy and later round maybe have him compete. I think Rippin, like you said, Chad, doesn't have it in the system, so he'll be out. So I think it'll be Brandon Allen. I don't think it's going to be a veteran, though. If they bring in any QB this offseason, it'll be through the draft. Also, Rippon was a Scangarello guy, True. for what it's worth. So I'm not sure he's going to end up with a place you know, when the music stops in Denver in 2020. But, guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us live and creating and participating in this conversation. We enjoy talking to each and every one of you, and you make it that much more fun and compelling for Zach on each and every podcast. And of course, a mile high salute to all of our super chat superstars. Thank you guys so much. Yes. You bring the thunder day in and day out. And it means the world to Zach and I, but guys, we got to get out of here for today. We'll, uh, we'll be back in the saddle Wednesday night, but in the meantime, Tuesday night, you're going to have a fresh live pod of building the Broncos. I don't know what Nick and Carl have cooking, but have your draft, have your roster oriented questions ready to roll. Cause that's what those guys love to break down hence the title of their show building the broncos so look forward to that tomorrow night 6 p.m mountain 8 p.m eastern on tuesday make sure you're following the show guys on twitter at huddle up pod you can find my partner here zach kelberman on twitter at kelberman nfl myself at chad and jensen and like i said zach we got caught up in a conversation before uh, we ended up going live we forgot to go grab and figure out who you know do the the randomly selected names from apple podcast in january we will have those names for you on Wednesday. Yeah, we will have those winners as well as Chad just mentioned. And also, if you guys want to get in on the February drawing, submit your you know your reviews now, get them in, and we'll pick them next month to give more uh, swag away. So it'll be fun. Yeah, and here's the obligatory reminder, guys, for the merch store. You guys have responded well to that. We're adding uh, products more and more as we go. We've kind of had to just rely on when Zach and I have had spare time to add stuff to that. But we're partnering up with a guy that's going to just run that for us to constantly put in things, put in new products, hats, shirts, hoodies, beanies, whatever. Right now, there's a couple of different shirt options. There's a couple of different hoodies options, including for girls. Go check it out. We're going to be adding different colors, different designs as we move uh, move through this. I just put the link in the, uh, in the comment stream so you guys can check that out when you get some time. But, guys, again, thanks for joining us. That does it for tonight. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you again. Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.